there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Greetings, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast. In this show, I talk with John Caulfield, who is the Cork City Football Club manager. He's been in the role for about three years, and I must shout out to Darren for hooking this interview up. Appreciate that. So during the conversation, John and I talk about his early years in Roscommon. He grew up there and went to school in the area um, and played for Athlone Town in his um, early playing career. I brought this up at the start. Being from Longford, I was hoping we could claim John as another Midlander that has some success. And while he was very happy and delighted to talk about Roscommon and his early years, he was very keen to impress upon me and the listeners that he considers himself a Corkonian, living here for over 30 years. Uh, we did talk a little bit about his love for the game and other sports in his growing up years and also talked about his visit to St. Mel's Park uh, when at Lone Town played AC Milan in the mid-70s. We also then talked about John's transition when he moved to Cork to become a striker from a defender, something that he maybe didn't see coming himself. John then moved into management. We talked about the challenges that that brought up, how he transitioned from a player to a manager, and also at one point as a player manager, how he handled that. There was lots of learning and sacrifices in his playing days that we talked about. Also, how he became a coach, the style of management and leadership that he brought into the role, the role of mentors throughout John's career. And as we got into more recent times, the role social media has in his day-to-day job, how he manages that, how he gets the best from players, dealing with conflict, experience that he could bring from the business world into the football world, the love of the job, living and breathing the role, the challenges he faces. And then towards the end, we went into a rapid fire Q&A session where we talked about advice that he's been given or how his success is measured his own management expectations, and book recommendations. Overall, it was a really interesting 45 minutes. I was delighted to get John on the show. He's certainly one of the highest profile guests I've had so far, and I really hope you enjoy the conversation between John Caulfield and myself. Hi there. Thank you for joining another edition of the 1% Better podcast. Uh, I'm here today with John Caulfield. John, welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to to do the show. Thanks, Rob. So we're going to basically dive into a bit about your background, first of all. Um, given that we're two Midlanders in, in Cork, I think it'd be good to learn a little about, about um, Roscommon. Uh, I know you were born in New York, I've done my research, but uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your early years in Roscommon and maybe how sport became part of that? Yeah, okay, I suppose... I suppose, or rather, I, I've been in Cork 31 years, so I suppose I'm more of a Cork man out in Roscommon. I'm trying to claim some yeah. sort of Midland stuff going on there. I suppose my family would see themselves as being from, from West Cork. So, um, yeah, very, very, very simple, I suppose. You know, Irish parents, mother from Cork, Oufala from Mayo, and lived in Roscommon all the way going up through school and that. And, um, obviously sport was huge. You know, I played um, a lot of Gaelic, a lot of soccer, and, um, you know, I was also into athletics, so the usual stuff when you're going to primary and secondary school, and um, so um, I really played 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 a lot of games, and, uh, you know, even rugby at school and stuff, so I was, uh, I, I just, I was just a sports fanatic, and um, 
Um, I enjoyed all the games, but obviously soccer was probably my number one. Mm. And um, you know, I ended up uh, in Cork at, at nineteen and through work and um, basically um, really I joined Cork City then the year after, which was eighty six, and from then on, sort of, uh, I was at the club for registered as a player for the next part of 15 seasons you know so mm -hmm. um, it was a fantastic time for myself and um, just fantastic to be with the club and I suppose I put my roots down here live in West Cork and um, you know my family are in West Cork so uh, I go back I go back to Roscommon quite, quite a bit but still you know I, I you know I see myself as a West Cork fellow now with, with mm -hmm. Roscommon roots you know um, just when you were growing up in Roscommon Soccer versus GAA, what was the kind of yeah, competition it's, it's, it's funny that um, I'm laughing when people talk about summer soccer coming in because mm. in Athlone, at underage, summer soccer was, was, was all the rage mm -hmm. when I was young for that. Uh, it was all summer soccer in Athlone at the time and, you know, you, 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 you know that Athlone is a very strong soccer town and, uh, yeah. you know, so from that point of view, but as well as that, then I went to school in Sligo. All right. So I suppose it was a situation where soccer was very, very strong as well. And uh, so went all, all the way through, like I, I suppose I was always playing Gaelic, uh, pretty Gaelic football. And, um, and um, you know, my dad would have been heavily active in that. And, um, you know, but I played an awful lot of soccer as well. So around the area I lived in, uh, soccer wasn't probably that strong, but that loan it was. In mm -hmm. school it was strong. And um, so it was just a, a combination of, I suppose... Play, play in both but um, you know in the back of my head I was always like like every young fella's dream I was always hoping that I could get into professional soccer mm -hmm. you know but um, that's that's really where, where, where it came from so um, you know it, it really didn't kick off I, I had played with Athlone Reserves for a couple of years yeah. when I finished when I finished secondary school I was, I was going to the IT in Athlone and um, I played with Athlone Reserves and um, I, I moved to Cork after that and it sort of led me to to find a way into Cork City, really. From doing my research as well, just another story, maybe that might be interesting. You mentioned the Athlone Town versus AC Milan match back in the 74. 70s. You yeah. weren't a, a, an attendee of that. I was, yeah. Before, I, yeah. I, I remember, I remember uh, actually, it's, it's funny, you know, you're, you're always, you know, looking back and, you know, you remember so, things when you're a child quite clearly. Mm. Some things you don't, you never remember, but a lot of things you do. But, but I remember that day in, in St. Mel because I was a regular... I was in secondary school and I used to go to showgrounds of Sligo a lot and mm. but I still I suppose at loan was my team at that time and uh, but I was at primary school that time and my, and my dad brought me in and I remember it was you know AC Milan didn't know what hit them same as Park was like a bog yeah. and uh, the place was heaving I, I, I'm not sure whether there was 6,000 or 8,000 at the match but St. Mel's was a very tight ground yeah. but um, it was a fascinating as a 10 year old to be at the game and uh, at loan missed the penalty yeah, and uh, just a nil all. It was a, it was a famous result uh, at the time, and um, you know I, I happened to be there, and I remember I remember being at the match and and the crowd and the atmosphere, and uh, you know, and I suppose, um, and I remember other things like the Sli the showgrounds in Sligo, in they also Sligo at the time played in Europe quite a bit from seventy seven seventy eight. I remember being at European games there and getting a half day from school to go down to the games and. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember the FAI Cup semi-final in 83 when Sligo played. The year Sligo Rovers won the Cup in 83, they played Cove Ramblers in the semi-final, right. who were a non-league team at the, top, at yeah. the time. And both games in Sligo at, at that stage were both sell-out games. So um, I've had a very good memories of, of, League, of League of Ireland matches uh, when I was young for the year. Cool. And growing up, 
who were your major influences at the time, be it sporting or just in, in general that was kind of inspiring you to, to follow that path? Yeah, it's, I suppose, like everything else, you know, like any young fella, a lot of fellas, you know, you end up following English football from the start. And, um, you know, and I, I suppose I was always followed League of Ireland and also followed English football as well. And um, so it was, I suppose it was different. It's hard to say who was the major influence. I remember, like, you know, I had a, a grow for Arsenal and obviously Arsenal had a lot of Irish fellas at the time. Brady, Brady Stapleton, O'Leary and it. Royce, Nelson, Jennings did lots. Divine, you know, they did six or seven. There were, and it was sort of, you know, I, you know, you follow, you know, I was following them at the time, and uh, and, uh, and then obviously in the Ga, there was a, there was a period. I remember as a young fellow in Ga, Roscommon were very strong late seventies, early eighties. Went to All Ireland finals, and you know, there's fellows like uh, O'Connor, O'Gara, Early, you know, all big names at the time, and and, and um, so there's a bit of everything, and I played everything, and uh, you know, I suppose. Um, both games for me were going hand in hand, really. Sure. And um, but um, you know, I, I suppose um, I think I think you know when I look look back in terms of League of Ireland in the early days, probably being in Sligo, um, being in school there, and probably going to showgrounds for five or six years in a row. You know, you ended up following fellas like um, Harry McLaughlin, who got the win of the cup final in '83, and um, uh, Mark McDonald, the lad who had been in Summerhill, who had gone to play with Sligo, you know, in Leaving Cert and uh, guys like that. But mm-hmm. overall, uh, you know, I, I was just a sports mad, enthusiastic youngster and uh, mm-hmm. I followed all the games and I suppose um, I suppose I got inspiration from a lot of different people, you know. Great. So when you got down here, you were jumping at the bit to play for Cork City. What was your lucky break or how did you manage to get into yeah, the first team, I guess? It, 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 it's funny because... Um, I had done two years with that loan reserves. Turlock O'Connor had been a manager of the first team at the time and Turlock was very good to me. And, um, you know, Turlock obviously was very successful with that loan and very successful with Dundalk afterwards and Bohemians, even though he's an loan guy, he, he was living in Dublin. And, uh, but he left and, um, I sort of moved to Cork and I suppose it was a bit, I was really a bit no man's land. And <clears throat> when I came down here, I joined the local team in the senior league. And I had um, one season with them, team, team in the senior league called Wembley. And um, the following year, one of the lads who was the assistant manager at Wembley went to Cork City as assistant manager. Okay. And he brought me in. And okay. I suppose it was, a, it was a break that I got right. because, um, you know, I was a bit like any youngster. I just had sort of, I, w- I was in between um, the two seasons to play in, the, in, in League of Ireland, but to get in there was 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 uh, was difficult. So he brought me with him a guy called Michael Punch, who, uh, funny enough, is is um, on my backroom team here now okay. at Cork City. But um, that was really when I, I first got into Cork City. And uh, luckily, I think at the time when I joined Cork City, we weren't very strong, right? And we had a lot of young players that came in, and we were we were inexperienced. We were out of our depth, but it gave us game time, and we got game time because we were struggling. And there wasn't the financially club were in a bad position, so it worked out well for us because we were able to get game time at the top, mm-hmm. at, at that stage, which sort of gave us the experience, and um, it really it really started from there. Right, and once you got in, and I know again from from reading, you know, record appearance holder for the club over a number of years, record goal scorer, top of the goal scoring charts a couple yeah. of times as well. Was a striker you're always always your position? No, no, never, never. I, I always played at the back. Funny okay. enough, I was. Um, you know, everyone, you know, even up at home laugh because all my football was played either at right back or centre back. Okay. You know, I was, 
I was probably very quick and um, you know, I was a good reader of the game. I wasn't very tall, but I was a good reader of the game. And you know, when I played with that lone reserves, I played as, as a sweeper. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose it was just funny. And when I joined at City the first year, um, Nola Manny, the late Nola Manny was in charge, and uh, I played you know a number of games at right back, really. Right. And um, following year, Eamon O'Keefe, an Irish international lad who had come back over from England, who took us over. He just thought it was very quick and he liked the speed I had and the pace and he asked me to ever play up front and I didn't and right. it sort of happened from there. It was just oh. it was just funny, you know, and um, it was just, you know, ironic that probably all my underage football all the way through was in defence and mm. I ended up playing with Coxie as a striker for probably 14 years so it was a, it was a funny change around. No, it's like that. You never really had that desire even in the younger years because typically when you're growing up everybody wants to score goals, I would have thought. And Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was just... I suppose, um, you know, I'm even thinking of school, I used to play with the school team in midfield and I used to play at the back, so, but um, no, in Gaelic I always played in the forwards, funny enough, right. but, you know, I, I don't know, it just, I suppose I was happy to be playing and, uh, mm. you know, when I went up in, into the centre forward role, um, I got a few goals and things started happening and then, you know, I had a very good relationship partner, Pat Morley, and the two of us were different type of players, different type of people really, mm. but we had a very, very, very good understanding and, uh, yeah. you know, for, for a number of years, probably six, seven, eight years, we just played together and we, right. we, we sort of clicked. A good connection. We so. had a good connection, yeah, and it was, um, it was funny the way it worked out, so, uh, you know, after all that time to think that at the club that you were leading goal scorer considering you joined as a defender. Yeah. It was, was funny, it's, like, you know. There's hope for everybody. There's hope for everyone, yeah. So during those years, I guess, what sort of personal sacrifices did you have to make as a as a player in the League of Ireland at the time, or even you know yeah. potentially even now? There's personal sacrifices, juggling life and yeah. Well, I think, I think it's I think it's, it's different for me now in terms of like that time we were all part time or semi professional, whatever mm-hmm. they call it. Effectively speaking, you know we were paid expenses. We trained Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. We trained Saturday mornings. Right. We played on Sunday. All the games were on Sunday yeah. at that stage, and we were in the winter season, winter, yeah. and. Uh, I suppose look at no different than, than anyone playing elite sports you give your life to it you know you work during the week you work as hard as you can in, in your day job and that pays your mortgage and, and, and your rents and whatever but the, the football was was your passion your hobby and um, I suppose from that point of view um, you know it, it, it was your release every week and uh, it was um, so all that period of time we were all semi-pros and part-time so it was, it was a great place to be and you know, I suppose if you look at it over the years, you know, I think I was I played in Europe twenty two times, which was oh, phenomenal. Like so we played the likes of Bayern Munich mm. down to being in places in Russia and Latvia that you'd never heard of. So, you know, we travelled a fair bit as well. So um it was it was unique but obviously, you know, winning winning a few trophies for the club was important and uh, and the thing in Cork is that, you know, Cork is sports mad city and county. So whether it's Gaelic soccer hurling you know monster rugby everyone follows the games yeah. so um you know you see that there's a real identity and that if you're if you're on a, if you're on an elite if you're playing an elite sport you tend to find out that nearly everyone knows you yeah so in itself there's a responsibility but at the same time you know there is a you know a joy that people you know recognize and they appreciate what you're doing and um you know if you're successful then it's even better mm-hmm. and um so um 
you know, overall, you know, when I came to Cork and, and over a number of years, I found it was it was a really great place to be when you were when you were an elite sports person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back on your playing career, what were the kind of key things you might have learned about yourself during that period? Is there anything that might jump into mind? Yeah, I think the one thing down here is there's no hiding place. You mm-hmm. know that when you have a bad game, you'll you'll you'll, you'll, you'll be told quite quickly. And uh, because the coverage is phenomenal down here, and um, there's so much, there's so much outside interest. But I think in in in, in the bigger, you know, scale of things, you know, it's about um, you know to keep playing with you know an elite team. You need to be dedicated. You have to give you have to give your life to it as such. And uh, I suppose in lots of ways, really, Rob, your, your family does come second because they're supporting you all the way through. But mm. you know, I, I laugh when people talk about you know missing weddings and missing. Yeah. You know, events and family events. You know, it was just Normal. football was number one, right? And everything else. You know, if there was a clash, there was no decision to be made. Oh. You know, and, and and that's just the way it was. And you know, we were in, we were in that era where you know the the game was the number one thing and most important thing, and uh, and uh, not coming coming the way of it, and that was the way it was. And uh, I was fortunate at the time that you know I was with a, I was at two different eras in Cork City, and uh, with two different groups of guys, but. Um, you know, the first group of guys were, that I was with um, were phenomenal players that won the league in 93 and uh, everyone had the same philosophy. It was like as if their life depended on them. We mm. trained hard and we, 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 we played hard and uh, we, we, we got on very well with each other. But it was, um, it was you know, it was a great, there was great camaraderie with us. And I think if you if you, if you asked teams around the, the other teams or other players in, in other clubs around the league, they'd have seen us as being different team and a, and a tough team to play against and I think mm. they'd have seen this as being a close team as well so um, I suppose in, in some ways we that sort of that Gaelic element about us as well mm. you know and, um, and plus the fact that the majority of the lads were from were from Cork as well so right. um, so it you know it built up um, you know there was a lot of leadership qualities you know camaraderie and uh, but most important thing I think it was that we um, at that particular time we gave everything to, to on the pitch and and nothing else got in the way as such you know do you think a lot of that was down to the management or was it a factor of just high highly motivated individuals a bit of both yeah I think you you, you would say probably a bit of both but at the same time I think individually there was a lot of really strong characters you know and I, I look around and think of the team at the time and when you look talk about captains I think you could certainly have picked out six seven captains in the team right they were really strong personalities and uh, you know a lot of guys there was a lot of diverse between guys and jobs you know we guys who worked in banks we we, we managers of companies um you know we we, we, we guys that were in office jobs with guys on the road you know we we with a great mix of uh, of personnel yeah. but i think you would you know real strong there were real strong leadership and uh, guys that could give their opinion but at the same time um there was um, a great sort of connection within the group, and um, you know it. It really was. Um, it, it was a powerful group really at the time, and uh, mm. I, I must admit, looking back at it, you know, massive fond memories of it. And it was, uh, mm. you know, it was great for your character building as well. And um, yeah. you know, so um, you know, in the bigger picture, we just we just strong personalities at the time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so maybe we look now more as John as the manager as well, moving into your managerial career. Was that Something you always had a design for in your playing days. This is, you know, looking. I want to yeah. be a manager down the road. Well, I think I was always very interested in coaching. 
managing. Um, you know, I would have started my coaching badges um, late in the, in the 90s when I was uh, coming to the end of my, my career. Um, I would have done a lot of coaching in school by football, mm -hmm. West Cork. I did a lot of coaching in West Cork Handy Cup teams. And, uh, you know, I branched off then into um, into uh, the Munster Senior League. And, you know, I was um, I was involved in, in, in amateur football really for about 11 years between managing Avondale in the Munster Senior League, who turned into one of the biggest clubs in, in yeah. Ireland, winning intermediate cups and winning leagues. And uh, then I, I went over to UCC, which was a different scenario, mm. managing students who were in Collingwood Cup, who won Collingwood yeah. Cups, and, and obviously ma managing the Irish University. So over, over 11 years, I had been in amateur football, and um, it was fantastic, brilliant learning curve. And, um, you know, Massive problems, massive situ you know, situations, which you deal with, but massive learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you build your, you know, in my in my day job, I had a lot of very very good day jobs. I worked for Diageo, I worked for CNC, I worked in packaging, so I was used to communicating with people, and uh, yeah. I was used to doing a lot of management training as well. Mm -hmm. And it helped me in my in right. my football career. But at the same time, you know, it's it's you know dealing with pers people and people being dropped, being taken off, being left go. You know, there's there's huge emotions and uh, dealing with problems within a team. Yeah. Um. So I learned so much in amateur football. You know, it was, it was a massive benefit for me to yeah. went, went, went into professional football. You know. Yeah. Like for a certain period, I guess you were player manager. In, yeah, in I, 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 I was player manager probably um in my first two years with Avondale when I took over. But being quite honest with you, I was quite happy not to play. Right. You know, it's funny because yeah. a lot of people say that when they, when the when they, when you finish playing, you know, managing is brilliant. After playing managing, I find it, it was brilliant, and uh, there's a lot more responsibility because as a, as, a, as a player, um, you're just self focused. Um, you don't think about anyone else. Mm. Um, it's really all about yourself, and um, in a lot of ways, it's a selfish way to be, but that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas when you're a manager. It's like as if you're the minder of the flock and you have to treat everyone the same and you have different personalities and uh, it's a totally different experience because mm -hmm. you just think all the time of the big group yeah. as opposed to individually. And um, so, yes, I would have started off being player manager, but, but quite quite early on, I, I just packed up and just concentrated on managing and it suited me, you know. Yeah, but did that player manager role, do you feel cause any conflicts or difficulties within the team yeah I, I, yeah and I, and I probably did and I recognised very early on that it was just easier for me to back down yeah, and, yeah. and just stay on the, on the bench because you know there will always be people that you know if you play yourself over someone they'll always feel they're better than you so yeah. you know it's just easier and uh, again another learning experience you, you make those, those decisions and yeah. you have to weigh up the, you know whether whether it's the right time but quite clearly uh, and quite quickly I decided just to step back and uh, I just I just stop playing and it was, it, was, it was the best thing I did best thing you did at that stage so at this stage had you um, like a management style or a leadership style developed or was that continually growing was it you know I'm going to take this over and these are kind of my values and beliefs and you want to instill or was this something that was evolving yeah I think it's evolving you know if you, if you ask me Am I a different guy than I was 10 or 12 years ago? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the same time, your values still are, you know, hard work, passion, respect, you know, total commitment. There are certain things you have to have. Yeah. 
um, her style of play and that you know may change or systems may change depending on personnel and that but I think your core values are, are, are the same and uh, you know you want committed guys you want guys that you know live breed and eat this this game mm-hmm. uh, professional football is different because you know the big transition from amateur to professional the difference is that you're dealing with employees as opposed to in amateur and I yeah. suppose the big thing in amateur football is that if you don't want the player you can just tell them go yeah, yeah. in professional football they're employees so they have rights yeah, so it's yeah. a different situation yeah. and plus the fact um, you know professional footballers have to pay their bills whereas amateur players are coming out to train with you and they're paying their, their, their script or their membership yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're a day job so there's a different mindset the, the actual workings of the team and decision making and game decision making that's all the same yeah, but yeah. Uh, but uh, it's 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 a different scenario. But certainly, the experience I got from amateur football, and particularly the experience I got with the issues I had and the problems I had, mm. really helped me going into professional football. But in terms of your core values, they have to be the same. Hard work, and uh, you know, I would I would think that at the club here they'd see that you know I'm twenty four seven. Everything I, 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 I do is, is about the club. Yeah. You know, people talk about days off and holidays. It's immaterial to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to work as hard as you can because it's, 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 it's yeah. your job. You know what I mean? And the more you put into me, you, you hope at the end of the day, the more rewards you get out after us. And that's what I believe. Uh, if you work really, really hard, I think you'll, uh, you'll get, you'll get the success, you know. Yeah. No, it's, it's very true. And uh, like, you know, I think the core values from talking to others doing similar interviews. If you have those defined, a lot of people say they have core values, but if you ask them maybe for them, they may not be able to define or throw them out there. But obviously hard work is something that you you talk about as core. And I think that is a theme I see in a lot of these conversations. So so that's great. Probably respect and probably, I suppose, modesty. And, you know, I always say within, within, within a club, you know, no one should be bigger than anyone else. The people who cut the grass, the people who work in the offices, you know, their job is important as our job and everyone should get on and no one should think that, you know, they can they can get up, come in here in the mornings and bypass someone out saying hello. We're all in together and I suppose uh, when I look around at the great sports people around there and the great you know, players in all sports, they're modest. Mm-hmm. And you can't beat that, you know, with the guys that have their head in the sand and think they're bigger than they are. Yeah. They usually get a big fall and uh you know, so um, you know, I just think it's about having uh, along with hard work, that respect, that modesty that you need to have. Yeah. From leaders or managers you've worked with or have witnessed, is there anything you've learned from them that you would not do as a manager or leader? It's kind of the flip side in that yeah. bad traits or characteristics that you would say that is, you know, the wrong way of doing things. Well, we all have different opinions. Yeah, yeah. Um, from my own point of view, you know. I wouldn't criticise any of my players publicly. Right. Um, at least I'd hope not. Yeah. Um, I think there are certain things that you keep in house. Mm-hmm. Um, and you try and treat people, you know, the same, whether while you have different personalities. But, um, yeah, it is a good question. But it's, um, I suppose, there are different type of managers. There are boastful managers. There are, there are managers that um, like to be the main, the centre of attention. So there's lots of different, you know, type of managers and um, but I wouldn't think I'm one of them yeah, yeah, yeah and I would say I'd never be one of them but um, I suppose you know I look around I'm going to look around Ireland and you look at it in our own league the likes of the, the, the Stephen Kennys and you look at the Gaelic the Brian Cody's you look at uh, mm. Jim Gavins they're all very down to earth and yeah. you know they 
you know, they, they, they'll speak when they have to speak, but they're not loud mouths and, you know, and mm-hmm. um, they seem very humble people. And, you know, yeah. I suppose I would have seen myself as somewhere in that category, you yeah. know, but um, but there are different, you know, there's, there's, there's other people out there, they like to be in the paper all the time, they like sure. to be controversial. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose I don't see myself as being, yeah. that I'd want to do it that way. Okay, true. Uh, during your career as manager, have you relied on or used mentors a whole lot to, to kind of get some insights from or bounce ideas off? That's what you see as a valuable yeah. solution. Well, well I, I think the, the crucial thing of a manager in any, in any professional club, in a league club, you need to have a really, really strong group around you, mm-hmm. management group outside of the players, and you need to have people around you that you trust who are really close-knit work really hard or like yourself but they're very you know they can give you honest feedback mm. but it's between yourself and um, so thankfully here like I have John Cotter who would have played with me at Cork City would have managed to play with me in Avondale he's come through that man Michael Punch who brought me from Cork City years and years ago and I have um, Phil Harrington who was a goalkeeper I played with as well and uh, you know this year we brought back Liam Carney next player who would have played under me so mm. I mean he used to my style and then we have you know we have our First team analyst, uh, Lisa Fallon, she's been with me through the Irish universities. So we have a very strong group here and a very um, tight group and they all work very, very hard. But I suppose I have probably been fortunate, Rob, in the sense that a lot of my jobs, you know, when you work with companies like Diageo, CNC, you know, even in, in the partner company, company I work with, we did, we did an awful lot of management training because those companies do that. Yeah. Because, they, you know, they're, they're, they're top companies. And sure. uh, I was very fortunate that I did a lot of training over 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 a period of 25 30 years so you know a lot of the training we got through work and dealing you know with, with customers and dealing face to face and dealing with issues and problems and how to handle situations and uh, how to manage people because in some of the companies i would have been you know regional manager or whatever so i would have had a lot of training in my jobs mm. which would have which have, which would have helped me into the into the um into the football side okay so for example if we talk about managing conflict yes. or tough decisions or tough discussions that that you've dealt with in your work life it, it was very easy to kind of tools were simple to transfer across into yeah well I wouldn't say they were simple but yes <laughs> there was a transfer but yeah one. I suppose I'm practical in the, in the sense that I try to weigh up a situation and I always feel sometimes you go with your gut feeling and you go with what you believe is right and if it's right that's the way it is mm. and and um, you know I, I think you can't have different standards you can deal with people differently, but you can't have different standards, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't sort of, you have to treat, you know, particularly when you deal with a group of people spread out from, in, in, in like Cork City, from 18 to 36, you know, there's, there's certain guidelines that they all have to abide by. Yeah. You may, you may manage some people differently because some, some people may have families, other people may not. Mm-hmm. They may manage them differently, but in terms of, there are certain guidelines that everyone has to apply, apply by and, um, you know, I suppose I, I'm of the situation that when you do have issues and you do have conflict, don't ignore them. Mm-hmm. Deal with them head on. And maybe 10, 15 years ago, I may not have done that. Right. And now I believe you just sort of straight out because it's not going to go away. Yeah. And uh, and that is probably the most difficult one because sometimes when you're dealing with a, a group of people and you're, you're managing maybe 25, 30 people, sometimes, you know, the, the temptation is that you might want to sidestep it for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my experience tells me 
not to do that anymore. You just deal with it head on and sort it. Okay. And um, whether that's going to be a tough call and it's going to be a bit of headache for you for a while, in the bigger picture for me, it's the best, it's the best way forward. Yeah, no, that's a really good takeaway, just, not just obviously as a football yeah. team manager, but any, any manager or leader of people, I think, yeah. when there's stuff percolating, it's yes. best to, to get to the root. I, I suppose, I suppose the, the, the other side, that to, to be careful, there may be situations where you have a player going through a problem Mm-hmm. and it may be a situation that you might have to work with them on that but I think there are carnal, carnal, a carnal of issues that things are come cropping up and a guy is constantly doing something wrong or he's constantly late or he's constantly finding problems you know, then you just deal with it mm-hmm. and, and, um, and, and, and you just clear up, clear the situation and or clear the decks or, and, um, that, so, so from that point of view I think that um, you, know, you get a feeling you know, everyone, no matter when you're dealing with lots of people, they all have different, they're all, most people are, are great, but they have different issues or different problems. And you have to sort of discuss it through, but you have to figure out whether the people are being genuine or not being genuine. Yeah. And if they're genuine, fair enough. If they're not being genuine, you just have to sort it. Mm. No, that's fair. What do you love about the job? What's the things that really excites you? Apart from obviously winning FEI Cups and things like that, <laughs> that doesn't happen unfortunately every week. But yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's it, the job here for me is unique, and probably when I look at where I'm at in this club, being probably an ex-player, being a supporter, and now being the manager, I suppose I have tremendous pride in the club. But at the same time, you know, I, I know the pressures and I know the demands that are in it, and. Um, I suppose to me it's it, it, it's having the job of a lifetime you know I suppose I consider myself 30 years on the road getting up every morning at half six putting on a suit going out selling Monday to Friday and I see myself now getting up in the morning putting on the tracks and coming in training here and mm. you know spending 24-7 about football yeah. so um, you know it, 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 it's fantastic you know in the modern era it is tougher because social media has come so big. Everyone has an opinion, yeah. and most people know you don't. They're making opinions. You don't even know who they are, <laughs> you know. And, and and that that can take you know that can be that can be hurtful. But with my experience and with my age, I'm able to deal with that. Yeah, you yeah. know, I've gone I've gone over that. Whereas skin is needed, I ten imagine. years ago, I think I think you know this job might have brought me down already. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I, I'm very much very focused, very strong will. Have a very strong management team with me, mm. and um, you know criticism doesn't throw me. Yeah, you know, but it would have thrown me before, mm. and um, so I keep my my focus and um, keep doing the, what we we keep doing in here, what we think is right, and um, thankfully, thankfully for the moment, things have been things have been quite good. Yeah, and it's interesting talking about social media. I guess a part of your role now would have to almost with the team that are on social media to manage how their reactions yes. are to random tweets that are sent out yes. because that can throw them and they're still growing yes. and developing. So it's, well, a it's, scale, it's, it's probably the most difficult thing because you can imagine that, you know, a player, a player, um, and we're very strict on social media because it's, it's gone to a stage where um, players can get sucked in and before they know it, it's mm. all, it's all over the, off, the country right? or the world even, yeah. you, know, you know, so you have to be very, very careful. And we do a lot of training on that, but at, at the same time, you know, the biggest problem you can see is that a player may play very well and he gets tweets to say he did well mm. and the temptation is he t- sends back to thank everyone. Mm. But two weeks later, he might have a crap game yeah. and people are having a call off him. And it is difficult to take. And at the end of the day, sure. you know, when you're, when you're young, in your early 20s and mid-20s, it is difficult to take stick. 
yeah. without responding back to it. But you know, it's it's part of the modern era, and um, you just have to keep coaching your your staff and keep coaching your players that they just have to resist getting involved because um, if you make any wayward remark, you can put yourself in trouble, and it's it's uh, it's out there. It's forever. out there now, and, and and it is very very difficult. For you know, for people to take you know, the getting abuse from people they don't even know it's coming from. Yeah. And um, it is difficult, but you know, it's part of growing up and part of being a, uh, an elite player now. You just have to deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Very true. I know we're near the end, John, so I don't want to keep you for much longer. Although I'd love to take another hour, probably. Um, what's the best piece of advice or piece of advice that might have come your way that sticks out that you kind of adhere to, live by? Anything stick into your mind there? Yeah, I, I think the, the main thing, Rob, is be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, people, loads of people give you advice. Um, I've gone to many seminars. I've done all my coaching badges. Um, I love listening to professional people speaking from professional sports. I love listening to how they manage teams, the problems they've encountered, how they dealt with them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you have to round yourself off to what you are and what you believe in and and sometimes you know I you know I think you see managers they try to pick a team to be popular they try to pick a team um, to be maybe popular with the supporters to be popular with the players and ultimately at the end of the day you have to pick the team that you believe is going to win that game no matter what decision you have to make and if that if that means leaving off a player that's going to that's going to make it off awkward for you so be it but just be yourself and you know if you have the confidence that you think you're good enough just just believe in yourself and crucially make sure you have good people around you mm-hmm. certainly one or two three people around you who you know will tell you the truth and you know who are disciplined and are thorough like yourself and they keep everything to themselves and uh, you know that's thankfully in my management career I've been lucky that that is that has been the sort of I've had strong management people around me and um, but it's trying to be yourself and ultimately working as hard as you can and, and um, you know I believe you work as hard as you can you have a chance if you're lazy in this type of game I don't think you can you can survive yeah cool when you think of uh, success is there any one that jumps into mind as successful or or just success itself what, what kind of does that evoke well you see in the bigger picture People, everyone's you know measure success by winning the trophy, mm-hmm. but ultimately, since I've come into the club here, I've measured where we were when we came in, yeah. where we are now, and we are in a much much better place. Absolutely. And because we've rolled on year from year, we've been a lot more competitive, and our teams have been better every year. Uh, but it hasn't meant that we've won a lot of extra trophies. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but in Europe, we've done very well. So I just keep saying success to me is making sure that every year you're getting, you're progressing on the year before and you're moving forward and you're getting better. Um, Obviously, you'd love to be winning a lot more trophies, but at the same time, you have to be realistic that if you, if you give everything you have and all the players give everything they have, and if that's good enough, it's good enough. But at the same time, if it's not good enough, but you've given everything you had, that's okay in my in my, in my mind. But obviously, um, you know, you are judged on trophies, and, and there's no point in saying otherwise. And and you're judged on how you get on in Europe. So, um, you know, in in, in a club like Cork City, I, I'm I'm well aware of that. So, um, the demands are are huge. But at the same time, um, 
for me, it's it's about being better than you were the year before. Continual improvement. Continual improvement and not taking your eye off the ball and keep working hard. And, you know, I suppose there's always a danger that if you win something, you pull back and you think you've mm-hmm. done it. Whereas if, if anything, it should be better again. You're getting, an, it's even harder again. You should be going and harder. You should work to make sure that your standards are going higher again. And um, um, that's what, you know, we, that's what we're hoping. Like in, certainly in the three years I've been here, we've definitely got better every year. This is our fourth year. We're hoping that after winning the cup last year that we can drive on and be better again. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it has to come from the management, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, if you take your foot off the pedal, Players see that, so you have to. Sure, you have to. You have to show that. It's a fine back. balancing act. I imagine though, so you've seen teams like Longford ten years ago won the FAI Cup a couple of times yeah. to try and kick on. The level of expectation can probably sometimes go through the roof. You don't want to go crazy and spend loads of money that you mightn't have and be sustained yes. over time. So it's trying to balance that off. Must v- very, very much, and unfortunately, I suppose Rob, we're in an era now. Where no one has patience, instant gratification, and, and everyone and every and everyone thinks it's simple, mm-hmm. and there's only one winner, and this is the problem. And unfortunately, you know the outside influence has probably taken over the thinking that this has probably been the most difficult thing in all sports, and you even see it like even in the Gaelic or whatever. You know, people just want you out if you lose a couple of games. Yeah. Whereas reality, that's not the way forward. Yeah. If you look in all sports. In all countries, the managers have been there the longest are the managers because they've had a plan and even though they might go through dips of not winning trophies, their 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 work ethic and who they are have shown that over a number of years they've always delivered. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately it is difficult because the lifespan nowadays in managers is two years and, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I'd, ha- and I'd have to say to you that really last year was my third year and at the start of last year was the first time I actually felt I was in control mm-hmm. of what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but the outside influence and the media influence is massive and um, there's too many agendas. And uh, what I mean by that is, you know, in the old days, if you go back to what I played before social media, when you played a match, the report was in the paper the next day about the match. Yeah. Now the, re- the match report is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about something story that someone is trying to be ahead of someone else because they know they're being outdone by social media and that is the most difficult thing Mm -hmm. so um, the whole the whole media situation has changed the demands have changed and everyone expects instant success and that's that's impossible yeah no that's that's very good last question are you an avid reader do you like to read books is there any if so um is there any book you might recommend around leadership or management or something that sticks out yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm not a fantastic reader, but I love reading sort of motivational books mm. or good sports books. Um, read, read a book there a few weeks ago, Legacy, and uh, read, New Zealand. Read, yeah, based yeah. in New Zealand. Phenomenal, phenomenal read. Again, about modesty, humility, mm. and brilliance, you know, yeah. of, of absolutely world class players just on the ground level, you know, and um, so. You know, I love books like that because, as I keep saying, it shows you the elite top top players. They're humble yeah. and they're the guys to succeed. And uh, and um, you know, money can change people. And and sometimes people get carried away with they get success too easy, mm-hmm. and they lose their hunger and they lose their their heads a bit. But um, to me, it was a fantastic read because right. it showed where they came from uh, after being in a bad place and um, uh, and what they achieved. And uh, certainly. Uh, 
if I could do a, a fraction of that, I'd be quite happy. Yeah, brilliant. And I just remember one quote or one part of that book where one of the players, I think, celebrated scoring a try or was doing a swan dive. Yes. And I don't know if he ever played for them again. So that was a real well, key he, 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 he did play, but I think he got his, his hands, he got his, his knuckles wrapped or whatever. But yeah, it just, it just shows. And, you know, like we all want to be the fun of sport. And I, I always say to our lads, you know, enjoy the wins, enjoy the, 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 the you mm. know, the sport. But at the end of the day, you know, if you lose, you shake hands. And if you win, you shake hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, there's a tendency that, uh, you know, that, um, you know, you when you win, you want to shake everyone's hand. When you lose, you you know you 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 sort of you show bad sportsmanship. So it's important that um, it's important that you you know that well you never want to lose. You have to you have to take your beating to it and deal with it. And uh, I suppose that's probably one of the areas that probably rugby has over other sports is the fact that they're that after a match. They do the, the the guard of honor walk in, which yeah. is which is fantastic, you mm-hmm. know. And and uh, but at the same time, um, you know, as I said, you, you know, a, a, a good sportsman is a guy who can who can win well and lose well. Perfect. With that, John, I think we'll we'll leave it there. I know we've gone over on your busy agenda and your schedule, so thanks a million for taking the time out. Uh, best of luck to Cork City for the season ahead. Um, really enjoyed it, and maybe down the road we maybe get back together again and. Uh, Maybe look back on the season and see how things went, yeah. all going well. Okay. Thanks Perfect. Very much, Rob. Thank Thanks, you. John. Thank you. Hey, folks. So if you're at this point, it means you got to the end of one of my episodes. Thank you for listening. It's uh, it's great that you took the time to do so, and I hope you got something out of it. So I'm just going to wrap it up with a shout out for feedback. As you know, the show is pretty new, and it's just growing, evolving, and your feedback is really important to me as I try and improve the show, make it 1% better. So please Get in touch with feedback, with questions that you may like me to put to guests in the future. Do you have a guest in mind that would be uh, really interesting to have on the show? Please let me know. Are there things that I could improve on? Are there things that are working? And are there things that are not working? Even more so important. I'd love to hear about it. I'm very open to feedback. So do please take a couple of minutes to get in touch. How can you do this? You can email me rob at robofthegreen.ie the comments section on the website go there that's www.robofthegreen.ie and there's a feedback page i'm on twitter the handle is at robofthegreen i'm on instagram robofthegreen facebook there's a page called robofthegreen and if you're in cork and see me out and about please feel free to give me feedback verbally ideally positive or constructive if it's of a violent or negative nature, either mental or physical, please refrain from from that. I don't think that would uh, would be good. But um, all the other stuff, I'm I'm very open to. And the show is on iTunes and Stitcher, so it'd be great if you subscribe there, so you'll constantly get updated episodes when I roll them out. So look, that's it. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great day and implement some of the learnings in your everyday lives. Thanks so much. Bye.